Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Thank you for listening to the late breaking F1 podcast. Make sure to look out for new episodes every Thursday and Grand Prix Sundays. Hello and a very warm welcome to the late breaking Formula One podcast. Here, another week without F1, another week in lockdown, but our spirits are high. We're back for some more debate, some more discussion. Thanks ever so much for joining us. Remember, you can subscribe to the podcast wherever you may be listening. Uh, Woolworths included, if you were listening to the last episode of the podcast. Um, unfortunately, yeah. they've, they've had to cancel our contract, so we will not be available at Woolworths anymore. That's gutting to hear. I didn't know that news. Yeah, why have you got shared that news? Is it Poundland now or what, BNM? Well, I was hoping that I'd have some good news to supplement it with because we have got an application in at Blockbusters. So really hoping that one comes through. Uh, but if you are listening on some old school mediums such as Spotify or, or Google Podcasts, then welcome along too. <laughs> Lovely. How welcoming. Right. We're one minute in. We'll try and put the most serious points in first, just so uh, <laughs> we've got about a five minute spell before we completely go off the rails, usually. Um, yes. Yeah, so tonight we've got a few topics we'd like to talk about. We're going to be talking about what happened at the IndyCar race, the iRacing event at the weekend. Uh, a bit of controversy coming from that. So we'll see uh, what the three of us think about what happened. We're going to be looking at who is Schumacher's greatest rival in his long and historic career. Um, we're going to be talking about how the budget is set to be reduced back to $145 million uh, for the 2021 season. Um, and we're going to be playing your favourite game, F1 Back and Forth. And I'm sure Sam will be in with another theme song. Uh, but first, what happened at the weekend? The IndyCar race. We saw Simon Pagano take out Lando Norris as he led the race with a few laps to go. Uh, and then right by the line, Santino Ferrucci had a collision, uh, which completely screwed up the order. Um, and it's caused a lot of debate, um, a lot of heated debate, actually. So we thought we'd weigh in. Harry, uh, what do you think about this? How, what do you think about the events that transpired? It's it's a shame. It's just a massive shame because, you know, we're in this uh, unprecedented time where uh, the need and the, the demand for esports has, has grown exponentially. Um, 
and it, you know, and most sports have been doing it so well. And IndyCar has been one of, if not the best, it's up there with supercars in terms of presentation. They've been doing; it's been so slick. You know, they've got most of their drivers involved. The presentation from the commentary team is the actual commentary team that do the real, real life IndyCar. Um, and there's some, you know, been some big hype around it, and you know, and they've invited a guest, Lando Norris, to take part. Um, and then, and then. A professional driver, the winner of last year's Indy 500, no less, goes and takes him out, which just seems it's just it's just a bit sad, isn't it? I, there was a nice tweet from Will Buxton, so I'm I'm not going to claim these as my own words, um, but I'll read them here. So he said, perhaps the biggest takeaway is that in recent weeks, the esports community has received validation and acceptance from real world racers. What happened at Indy stuck two fingers up and belittled them, their skills, their fans, their world, and that sucks. And that, for me, it sums it up entirely. The e-sports community, which you know, which you know, we follow, has been shoved into the limelight, and it's been great. But to have that happen to them just seems like it's a bit of a bit of a mockery. Um, and yeah, it's just a shame. And IndyCar don't seem to be doing much about it because a, a lot of the general consensus from people that aren't necessarily esports fans is that it's just a game. But as Will points out, it's it, for some people it's like a it's a career, it's a way of life. So um, yeah, it's a real shame. It's put a, a dampener on all of the other esports going on. But um, I'm sure that's not going to stop us watching and other people watching other esports events. But it's it's a shame for IndyCar. Yeah, very well said. Um, Sam, what do, you, what do you think about what happened at the weekend? Well, I couldn't agree more, actually, with what Harris <coughs> said and with what Will Buxton said. Um, incredibly wise and correct words from the man himself over on Twitter. Um, well, if you don't know what's happened, essentially, uh, as Ben explained at the start, IndyCar have hosted an esports race and they tried to do a whole series and they invited Landon Norris in, who is becoming a very large name in the world of Formula One and one of the best up-and-coming drivers. And live on stream, on Simon Pagano's stream, no less, the man, that's Harry Serk, who won the Indy 500, a prolific name in the sport, announces with his spotter, shall we take him out? Shall we slow him down? Shall we have a go at him? And lo and behold, though he claims it's an accident, he pulls over in front of him, going incredibly slowly, while Lando is leading the race and completely ruins it. Lando is not someone who takes sim racing lightly. Lando was up for 24 hours beforehand, practicing over and over and over again because he cares. He cares so much about streaming. I think he cares as much about that as almost as he does about real F1 sometimes. He commits so much time with it. And so, the same goes for the likes of Max Verstappen. Both of these guys are in an official esports team. They're part of an actual setup. They have a whole kind of strategy around things. They're all specialists in certain cars and categories. And as Harry said, it's a way of life for some people. You know, you've got streamers who are the likes of Jimmy Broadbent who make a lot of money and have a lot of success and are incredibly humbling people on YouTube and likes of Twitch who their entire lives are streamed over sim racing and their love of cars <coughs> virtually because a career in real racing isn't viable for everyone. You know, 99.9% of people can't afford to, they can't have the uh, the ability to, they've got you know other problems in the way that stop them getting involved in real life motorsport. And it, it is a solution for us kind of people who haven't got the financial backing or let's face it, the overall talent to get into something like a real race car. And when you you lose the real world racing and 
all those sim racers who have built this community, they've built a following, they've built an understanding and a respect for each other. And there is almost an unwritten rule, the same as in real life. You know, you have respect for each other, you don't take each other off. And when all these real racing drivers decide to go, can't race anymore, what should we do then? In whatever chosen language they decide to say it in, but still with an northern accent, I imagine. They um, all turn, including the likes of Sky, NBC, IndyCar, Supercar, Formula One, wherever you want it to be, they all turn to sim racing and essentially, they've just muscled out sim racers. They've decided to go, oh, you mean this This was your seat? Nah, never mind. I'm going to take that over now. And it's done, it's done two things. Yes, it has shone a fantastic light on sim racing and esports as a whole. People's followings have jumped through the roof. You know, esports and, and, and racing was the highest viewed thing on Twitch for a long time. Lando had the most watched account on Twitch. Um... I think one of the not virtual GPs had over a million views concurrently across all videos between it being live and the next week going. It is an incredibly brilliant thing to see the exposure that it's had. But at the same time, it's not really paid justice to those people that have built that environment. So when someone with the respect and the status that Simon Pagano has comes along and in a snap of a finger ruins so much of that. And people laugh at it. People criticise it. People say, oh, it's just a game. And that really demoralises and demeans a lot of what people stand for, a lot of what people live for. That's not okay. I think um, Chris, I think his name is, that runs the new Top Gear now on BBC, um, he said something along the lines of, who really cares? It's just a game. It's not good for people. And that couldn't be more of a closed-minded, sad thinking that we have in the 21st century. I thought in 2020, we might have something a little bit wiser and a more open-minded, especially if it's still bringing so much entertainment to people who are in such a difficult time. As someone like Simon Pagano comes along, it absolutely ruins it. It's one of the largest games in esports now, Lando Morris, and everyone got to see that. And even Lando was furious, absolutely furious, throwing digs at him on social media, and it's just not what you need. You expect more professionalism from people who are paid this much. The response is involved. You know, whether they take it seriously or not, they are representing the real racing series. And would you do that in real life? Well, I don't know. Maybe you've been so used to it. You go out there on track and you do do it in real life. You need to be careful with what you're doing and who you're having an impression on. It's not okay to race like that on track or on the internet. People care about it. Have a bit more respect for goodness sake. <clears throat> yeah. It's, it's hard to disagree with anything that, that both of you have said. It's just a massive shame to sum it up in, in one sentence. And um, I wanted to pick out one thing that, that Santino Ferrucci, who already has a, and to put it nicely, a very dubious record. Um, he said just as the race was coming to an end, of course, he was involved in an incident where he essentially took out the car to the left of him uh, in order to try and crash over the line in front of him. Um, he referred to it as just a video game, which to him, maybe that's true and that's fine. You know, if they don't see it as any more than a video game, I can understand that, that it might not be their wheelhouse. They might not feel like the real thing. Absolutely fine. Got no problem with it. But it's incredibly disrespectful. It's incredibly wrong. Um, and it's so... Uh, it, it's it, it's an ignorant way of thinking. It's very self-centered because his actions and those actions by Simon Pagano, they affect so many more people than just themselves. Yes, it might be just a video game to you. Yes, it might not matter if you do that and you don't care about it. Absolutely fine. But the amount of people negatively affected 
and the amount of the groups that are negatively affected, it's just, it's massive. Um, you know, you, you think of not only Lando Norris was his race ruined, you think of all of the other drivers who competed, you think of the iRacing platform, that's been disrespected, you think of the IndyCar series, that's been disrespected, NBC, the people who have put together the graphics, the commentators who actually commentate in real life on IndyCar events, you've disrespected their time, you've disrespected the time of every single person who's tuned in to watch a competitive race, you've disrespected the sim racing community, you've pretty much disrespected every single member of the motorsport community by those actions, and that's not an exaggeration, and it just shows that um, there isn't any thought whatsoever from Santino Ferrucci um, in terms of what his actions can mean for other people. It's not a massive surprise. He's a spoiled brat and he's a child. Um, and I don't think he's ever going to grow out of it based on his actions over the last few years. Um, the fact that IndyCar continued to big him up despite uh, some of the actions that he's, that he's, you know, that he's done says everything that you need to know. And, and it seems if no one's going to take him to one side and, and tell him, you know, this isn't acceptable your actions have a wide have a wide reach. You need to respect that. Um, yeah, you know, take someone out in your own time, so be it. But when you're taking part in a race, which is intended to be an exact simulation of a race, um, uh, you know, take it seriously. Uh, and if you don't want to, retire in the pits and go home and, and just don't bother. Uh, for Santino Ferrucci, I wasn't surprised at all. Uh, like we've seen the incident with Arjun Maini and, uh, in Formula 2. Um, and a, few, and a few other incidents as well. I was more surprised by Simon Pagano, and I don't know if it's better or worse, the reason that he decided um, to go and take out Lando Norris. Santino decided to take him out because it's, quote, just a video game. Simon Pagano decided to take someone out because he was bored and decided he didn't want a non-IndyCar racer to win the race. He didn't want someone, uh, you know, a, a foreign a, basically a foreign object coming over and winning the race. Um, he didn't want that to happen, which is so petulant. It's so childish. It's pathetic beyond belief. Um, and I expected more from someone who has had such an esteemed career in the sport. Um, and IndyCar, and you've referenced this already, Harry, IndyCar's presentation has been so good. We've already commented on this podcast about how good we think the IndyCar presentation has been compared to other motorsports who have tried something similar. Uh, they, have a, they have had a really massive opportunity, and I think to a degree they've taken advantage of that opportunity to get some new fans in and to keep current fans entertained. IndyCar, even in the US, you know, isn't as popular as NASCAR, uh, but across the pond even less so. You know, um, there is, I think, a false interpretation that IndyCar is a place for uh, American drivers and failed European drivers. And I, I don't think that's true for a second, but there is that stigma. Um, and you're expecting that stigma to be released by one of your top drivers taking out a Formula One racer uh, and saying he doesn't want a non-IndyCar driver to win it. It's only going to enhance that reputation. And for those guys who are on the fence, who believe maybe the standard of IndyCar isn't good enough for their time, it's not going to help that cause, is it? Um, so I'm, I was really disappointed. This properly angered me. Um, I, I know there are those who think it's just a video game. Uh, I think that does a massive disrespect to all of those people in the sim racing community. The sponsors, iRacing themselves, the list goes on. Uh, they should be better uh, and they should be punished. And I don't think they will be. Right. Enough of that. Let's move on to something else now. Yes, let's move on to something else. Um, Michael Schumacher, you might have heard the name. He was quite a good Formula One driver. 
won a few championships here and there. Not as good as Ricardo <laughs> Rossett. Uh, well, who is as good as Ricardo Rossett? Um, but exactly. Schumacher across his time, if you consider he debuted in the early 90s, uh, his F1 career pretty much spanned 20 years, uh, had a number of great rivals. Uh, but we're going to ask today, which was the best of the lot? Um, Sam, I'm interested to know what you think about this. Uh, who would you classify as Schumacher's greatest rival? Well, you know what? Don't listen to what I'm going to say. I'm going to hang over straight to Harry, who is the big lover of Michael Schumacher. And I'm going to, I'm going to listen to what he says because I haven't made up my mind yet. All right. Yeah. So go on then, Harry. You are the Schumacher. Oh, well, maybe, well, maybe I don't want to talk first. Maybe I want Ben to talk. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, I believe... Look, it's a, it's a tough one because there's two... Okay, there's two for me. There's Mika Hakkinen because I think... He is. It was a different stage of Schumacher's career, but I think he pushed Schumacher potentially the hardest um, throughout his career. And but and then the other person is Alonso because Alonso was the one who who finally stopped Schumacher's and Ferrari's run of championships. Um, so I think I'm going to have to settle with Alonso just because what he then went on, uh, you know, well, he didn't go on to win any more championships, but he went on and was still pretty successful and is regarded as one of the you know best all-round F1 drivers there's been. Um, so I'd say Alonso, and, you know, you'd argue Schumacher and Ferrari didn't have the, a, a good enough car in 05, but in 06 they did, and Alonso still still beat him. And I think he was always perhaps potentially the person destined to topple Schumacher off his throne at that time. Um, and then going back to Hakkinen, yeah, Schumacher, it took him 98. He couldn't do it. He sort of crumbled at that last race. 99, he broke his leg. It kind of doesn't count. But then even in 2000, you know, Hakkinen pushed him to the final race or the penultimate race, can't quite remember now. Um, and yeah, those two were like in a league of their league of their own uh, in like 98, 2000. So um, I, I don't think I can put... No, I'm going to go Alonso just to have a conclusion on it. I'll, I'll say Alonso, um, but I mean, you know, anyone who, anyone who who beat Schumacher on his day, you know, Hill on his day beat Schumacher. Um, even D- David Coulthard did. So I'm not saying they're his greatest rival, but they they deserve a a place under good rivals. I'm surprised you don't think Eddie Irvine was his best rival. The only rival Eddie Irvine had was himself. And, <laughs> and his moustache. Eddie Sarr. Irvine had a moustache? <laughs> Does now. <laughs> wow. Uh, if anyone can find mean. a picture of Eddie Irvine with a moustache, then please send it to at Breaking on Twitter, because I want to see it. The lack of facial hair is what I meant by that comment, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it's not moustache Irvine, as we've determined. Um, Sam, now you've listened to a Harry's answer of Alonso. Do you agree with him or want to go with someone else? Alonso is a you know a, a grand answer, as is Hackingen, but I, I'm going to go a little bit left field. And it's it's more about character for me. I, the, the, the person I'm going to say did not rival Schumacher for a long time. He was not the best driver that Schumacher ever came up against. But that doesn't mean that you have to have the rival, the best rival, the best driver you ever fought. It depends on what happens between those drivers. And for me, 
it was all about one season, which I feel started a little earlier in history. But I feel like David Coulthard is Schumacher's biggest rival when it comes to on and off the track. Have a day off. No way, Jose. Coulthard. (laughs) So... 1998 happens, right? Absolutely destroys what's going on. And we've seen the marching down the pit lane. There's almost fisticuffs. The chins go to war, you know, in what is an iconic moment in Formula One. They've shared race helmets. 2001 was an epic season where Coulthard was pretty much the only challenger to uh, to Schumacher for the whole season. I, I'm not going to express endless amounts of detail on this topic because I don't really think I'm the man to give that much detail on it. But when I, oddly enough, when I think of Schumacher and his rival and what produced the most heat and friction and animosity and drama, and one that I will oddly remember in a very fond way is the rivalry between Schumacher and Coulthard. And that's all I'm going to say on it. And a lot of people will disagree with me. And I understand why. I understand why. Hacking and Alonso... The, the, the flute Formula 1 theme tune may also disagree with me <laughs> but for me theme tune David Coulthard is Schumacher's biggest rival in terms of who they are as people do you know what DC stands for didn't direct compete comparison. direct comparison didn't compete nice <laughs> Um, I'm not going to pluck for David Coulthard, although I, I, I understand where you're going with that, Sam. I'm, I'm going to go with your nearly option, Harry. I'm going to go with Mika Hakkinen. Um, it's particularly in 1998 as well. Uh, those two were so far above everyone else, including their teammates, Eddie Irvine, sorry, Mustache Irvine, and didn't compete <laughs> David Coulthard. Um, of the 16 races that year, they won 14 of them, I think. You know, well, Hill won that crazy race in Belgium, uh, and I think DC won the race uh, in San Marino. That oh, year. I thought he didn't compete! He won one race! Still competed. Mika Hakkinen and Schumacher shared 14. <laughs> what happened in 2001? What, okay, you're going to pick out... DC wasn't that close in 01. He was for half the season, and then Schumacher destroyed everyone. He did. Schumacher was untouchable in 01, but... Uh, yeah, back three years before that, like, 98, uh, Hakkinen and Schumacher were leagues above everyone else. And I think that season by itself has a reason to believe, you know, it might be Hakkinen. Uh, he really took it to Schumacher. Um, and then 99, I I think we were kind of robbed of a, of a good finale there because Hakkinen made a lot of mistakes in 99 and you could argue got away with it in terms of winning the championship. Does he get away with it if Schumacher doesn't break his leg at Stowe? Who knows? Um, I'd have loved to have seen the conclusion to that season as well. In 2000, I think people uh, might forget 2000 compared to the other two. But um, until about four races to go, after Hakkinen won that epic race uh, in Belgium 2000, um, when he managed to make that crazy overtake uh, on the Kemmel Strait, uh, there was barely anything in it. I think Hakkinen was ahead by a few points uh, going into the last four races. Now, Schumacher clean sweep those four races so it makes it look a bit uh not as close as what it was but um yeah those three years 98 99 2000 Hacken and Schumacher uh was absolutely amazing so I'm gonna I'm gonna play for Mika uh but yeah D- Damon Hill definitely at the beginning of his career he was there um even even Jacques Villeneuve Harry for a year um and Fernando Alonso as well so a, lo- a lot of great names but not didn't compete 
Well, thank God that David Coulthard was predicted the favourite there, and he's taken it, folks. I'm glad that everyone agreed with me. <laughs> Sam, Sam, in 2001, his best year in F1, Schumacher beat DC by 58 points. <laughs> he beat everyone else by one. <laughs> <laughs> DC had a really... I mean, Monaco and DC, unreal combination. I mean... You can't Sam, deny that DC... Aaron was in third and only nine points behind him. Yeah, that's... I mean, when, when Michael Schumacher is that far ahead and your teammate is nine points behind a guy from a different team, I think DC does a good job there. He did a good well, job. And I talked about personality. All we talk about is racing when it comes to... Some people think Formula One's about racing. I know. Absolute nutters. Um, <laughs> it's a good thing that didn't get out of control. Should we, should we move on before we insult David Coulthard anymore? I'm going for insult him. I, I do love DC. DC. We do love DC. Oh, there they go, DC. Look at that. What, what, that? You don't want him? No, yeah, that's it, boys. Go away. He doesn't want you anymore. He's got a Heineken for me, and that's it. Are you trying to make me believe that you're currently talking to David Coulthard? I'm the only one of us that has spoken to David Coulthard, so go away. <laughs> oh, we, shared, we shared a beer back in 2002. <laughs> We should talk about more Formula One stuff now. We are. We're yeah. talking about David Coulthard. <laughs> Who would have thought? He's the epitome oh. of Formula One. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, Ricardo Rossett. Come on. Oh, yeah, sorry. Sorry. Second after Ricardo Rossett. His surname sounds like part of the Bopit controller. <laughs> Rossett. In what way? <laughs> Flip it. Rossett. Bop it. Sting it. Rossett. <laughs> It terrifies me how your brain works, Sam. <laughs> All right, moving on to... Um, obviously, we know a budget cap is coming into Formula One with the, the new regulations. As it happens, the budget cap is actually going to happen before the regulations uh, happen now. But uh, the original amount of $175 million has been revised down to $145 million. Uh, not formally signed off yet, but it is expected that that is the way that it will go. Um uh, uh, teams like McLaren wanted it to be even lower. Actually, I think McLaren were pitching a 100 million uh, limit, but I think Ferrari at that point would have been like, no, 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 not today. Um, <laughs> in, w- <laughs> in, w- in which case, I think they compromised on 145. Um, Harry, do you think this is a necessary step considering everything that's going on and uh, the the attempt to cut costs? I, th- I think what is necessary is that you do your Italian accent again. That's incredible. I don't uh, know it to be Italian. I don't even know what it was supposed to be. Good. Well, that's that's fine. Um, yeah, I think it is. It's it is necessary because of the current situation we're in. Um, we don't want to lose teams. Uh, we're not in the we're not in the noughties anymore, where you could lose a team and another manufacturer you know, would come along and sweep them up. Uh, uh, it's going to be tough on the entire world when we you know get out the other side of this. Um, we can't afford to lose the likes of Williams. Um, who else is a little team? <laughs> Just Williams. Can, 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 well, I was going to... Uh, yeah, HRT. But yeah, Minardi. Kids can't lose all these little manufacturers. Zach Speed. Um, Zach Speed, yep. Arrows. I, Lola we just, Mastercard. We, yeah, we need them. We need them on the grid. <laughs> <laughs> um... Look, no, it's it, it, even even the likes of uh, Toro oh, bloody hell, Alpha Tower. Can we call him Toro Rossi? Does it yeah. count yet? Oh, yeah. We've not had twenty twenty because yeah, we haven't had yeah. it yet. 
right, Torosso. Um, Torosso and Force India, those lot as well, um, we can't afford to lose them. So I think it's necessary. Uh, and like you said, Ben, I don't think you can go much lower without Ferrari walking, sorry, no, 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 walking away. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's a good thing. And I saw, I think Karun Chandok tweeted to say he, he, I can't remember what year he got it from, but like it's not far off what the some nineteen I don't know ninety eight uh, spending spending limit was not a limit the max spend from ninety eight or something like that. I've not made that point very well. Go and look at Karun Chandler's tweet. Basically, it's not far off what it was used to be spent back in the day. Interesting. Great Just conclusion. That, I, haven't, I haven't seen that, but um, is that? Uh, do you know if that's? measured in terms of uh, accounted for inflation at all or is that actually yeah right? he so he he put it through like a calculator but i'm gonna okay. find the tweet now here we go here we go 97 i was close quick calculation 97 winning budget was 70 million quid that's british sterling pounds um including drivers not engines using some bloody inflation calculator that works out to 128 million today or 159 million us dollars so it's only Fifty million off. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's still. I, I got his. I got his point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're still a long way down from what they're currently spending, so it's a it's a step in the right direction in that sense. Sam, do you think this is a uh, necessary thing for them to do? The first point I want to make is that the way that Harry says Karun Chandok is like if you were to put Mac in front of his first name, it's like a Macaroon Chandok. That is how. Harry says Karun Chandok, like it's a macaroon. Macaroon um, Chandok. It's like I'm saying that's, Scottish. Yeah, that's how you say his name. It's brilliant. I love it. I will hear it forever. Karun, macaroon. Anyway, <laughs> we've talked about inflation. We've talked about macaroons. Now we're going to talk about budgets again. Um, I think it's a brilliant idea. I think it should be lower. I think it should be uh, closer to 100 mark. I don't care if Ferrari are walking off. Ferrari throw their toys out the pram and literally any change, it doesn't benefit them. Oh, what do you mean we can't outspend Racing Point now to win? Maybe get some better engineers. Maybe maybe get a better strategist. Maybe, you know, maybe just become a winning racing team because you haven't done that for like 14 years now. Um, obviously, Ferrari have to spend their way to victory. I think the likes of Red Bull, I think the likes of Mercedes, <coughs> yes, they spend way more than anyone else. But I still think that even on a reduced spending scale, they are going to have the talent and the ability to still win races, to still win championships. That's why I think they're more than happy to sign up for these reductions. Uh, McLaren, you know, those who are now in fourth place and advancing have massive investment. They've got massively rich investors around them and always have done. We're one of the first people to come out and say, make it lower. It doesn't need to be higher. If we're going to go carbon neutral, maybe even carbon positive, if we're going to have a more affordable race structure so that other teams can come in, the likes of Toyota couldn't afford to get in and they're out there bloody winning LMP1. You know, it tells you a lot when mass producers of cars such as Toyota can't afford. BMW don't want to spend the money to get in. Audi, who have just dropped out of um, DTM, don't want to come near Formula One because of the cost. We are missing out on so many brilliant brilliant manufacturers and opportunities because it costs too bloody much and the risk is not worth the reward for a lot of people. So, yeah, screw that budget cap. Make it even lower. They're going the right way, but I think they need to do more. Um, Formula One needs to realise that it needs to become more glocal, which is such a business word. But, uh, you know, it needs to, uh, I know, do, I know. They need to have Str- more of a symbiotic relationship. Yeah, they do. Synergy. A bit, a bit more synergy. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sure Chase Carey has that written across his door. Um, 
But they do. They need to be more aware of what is going on globally. And I know it's a sport for the mega rich and, you know, millions get thrown around like it's nothing. But we are depriving ourselves of what could be a fantastically diverse and interesting grid full of drivers and teams and sponsors and parts of the world that don't get a chance because it costs too much. So, yes, lower the spending cap, um, make it more inclusive and allow teams who maybe are struggling financially to have more of a chance to stay alive. Otherwise, we're just going to negatively hurt the sport we love. So, yeah, I think it's brilliant. And I think that is the right step to take for keeping Formula One alive and relevant. Yeah, I, I agree that it's a necessary step to take it down uh, from 175 to 145. Um, usually, I, I'm very much uh, against Ferrari and their, and their moans and their complaints. Actually, on this occasion, I do understand why they haven't dropped it further to 100 million. Um, I do think if you've got a team like Ferrari and Mercedes, particularly Ferrari because Mercedes do have Formula E, um, they are going to have to considerably downsize. I know that there are a lot of exceptions in terms of what is and what isn't counted uh, in the budget. Uh, but regardless, they will have to drop down their spend quite a lot. Um, Mercedes can you know, divert some of that attention to Formula E. Ferrari are still very F1-centric, so... Um, there might there might have been the threat of layoffs. I, I I do believe that was a legitimate threat. So I can understand why uh, it hasn't gone down all the way to a hundred. However, there are still intentions for it to go down further in 2022 and then 2023. So it might just be a gradual thing rather than an all at once. Um, I think I think the voice of reason, as he always is, Gunter Steiner. Uh, probably had the best comment uh, about this. <laughs> and, um, and he actually, even though it might benefit Haas the most, or one of the one of the teams that would benefit the most going down to 100, he could completely understand why it didn't go down that much. So, um, so yeah, I think um, he's not formally signed off yet, so it, it's not set in stone, but I think this is a good idea. And um, it will make entry to Formula One a bit easier in the future. We know how difficult it is to court manufacturers at the moment. Um, we can't afford to lose a team, like you said, Harry. It's not it's not something that we can really afford now with only 10 teams on the grid. We haven't had 11 for, for quite a while or even 12. Um, and it, it's a big risk at the moment for teams coming in because um, no one makes a profit in Formula One at the moment. Uh, at least in terms of Formula One operations. The idea for these teams like Mercedes is they will break even in Formula One. Uh, and then they will see the profit in terms of uh, sales of their road cars. Um, but the only way in which the investment becomes uh, the investment becomes worthwhile is if you can, like Mercedes, spend all that money, take a gamble and get to the top of F1. Uh, it's why Renault have been struggling so much is that they had the same plan. But if they can't get to the top, then they're not seeing that increase in road cars that that makes it all worthwhile, this massive investment they put in F1. So making this budget cap smaller means not only can the smaller teams like Williams start to turn a profit uh, when they don't really have they don't have much else to sell outside of F1. So that's going to be a massive plus point for them and also for bigger teams as well in, in that they can maybe uh, maybe start to see their investment come back to them early on in their F1 life rather than a number of years down the line. Fair point. Very interesting. Wonder what everyone else thinks listening. Get in touch at late breaking or at L breaking rather for uh, on Twitter. Yeah, absolutely. We always want to hear your opinions on these matters. Um, I think it's time, isn't it? 33 minutes, 53 seconds is the exact time that F1 back and forth should come on. 
Oh, sorry. That was. Let me do Singlet. that again. That has killed my vibe. <laughs> that has destroyed my vibe. Sam I don't think really kill your vibe. That's true. My vibe is endless. It's F1. Back and forth, it's F1. Back and forth, it goes backwards. And then goes forth, it's F1. Back and forth, yeah, F1. <laughs> so good. <laughs> oh, we should win some sort of award for that. I don't know what that award is, but yes, we should definitely win it. Uh, it's just come to my attention that we've been speaking about F1 back and forth throughout the podcast, and I haven't actually explained yet what that is, because of course we do get people are tuning in for the first time, if you are, welcome along, um, and I'll explain to you what <laughs> F1 back and forth is. Um, so Harry and Sam will go up against each other head to head, and I will give them a category, uh, a very random category. They have no idea what it is, um, and they will have to, as the title suggests, Go back and forth with correct answers until one of them can't think of an answer or gets an answer wrong. Um, Sam, at least in terms of F1 back and forth, you've won the last few, so uh, massive pressure. It's since I've started singing the theme tune. Oh, it is. Does that mean I need to sing the theme tune? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. maybe sing it on a different podcast because you ain't winning. Duet to even the odds. Oh. Imagine F1 back and forth as a, as a duet. All right. So here's your topic for this week. Drivers who competed in the Red Bull dominant era of 2010 to 2013. So any driver that raced in those four years. <laughs> I mean, Sam, since you won the last F1 back and forth, you can go first. Um, 2010, yeah, we're starting. 2010 to 2013, any driver in that era? Uh, Fernando Alonso. Fernando Alonso, unsurprisingly, is a correct answer. For the record, there's, uh, I think, 42 correct answers that you can get. Wow. Harry? Sebastian Vettel. Since he won all of the championships that I've, the year, in the years I've spoken about, yeah, it's unsurprising he's a correct answer. Um, Sam? His teammate, Mark Weber. Yes, the very well-known Austrian driver, Mark Weber. Um, <laughs> Harry? Felipe Massa and his dad. Okay, <laughs> I'll take the first half of that answer. I don't recall his dad ever racing. Um, he was part of it, though, Felipe Massa's dad can. It, to be fair, he was part of it. I love it. I love it. Sam? Uh, Lewis Hamilton. Yeah, he competed in a few races, didn't he? Uh, Sam, uh, Harry. Harry. yeah, uh, Jensen, chocolate button. Hey, uh, very good bonus point for giving me his middle name. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you deserve it. Uh, Sam, who have you got? Um, uh, Michael Shoemaker. He did make a lot of shoes in that time period. Yes, Harry, Nico Rosberg. His teammate. Yes, that's correct. Sam. Uh, Robert, as they always used to say, Kubica. Yes, yeah. You, you didn't call him Vettel, Harry. You've got to get with the era. Um, sorry, yeah, sorry, that's sorry. Correct. Who have you because got your next Vettel answer? like Kettle. Um, <laughs> Kimi Raikkonen. 
Kimi Raikkonen is a correct answer. Of course, didn't appear in the first part of that era we're talking about, but he did in the end come back for Lotus. Sam? Uh, Sebastian, don't blame me! I, I knew you'd have to get that answer in. Yes, <laughs> blame is there. Uh, Harry? Roman, Roman, Roman Grosjean. <laughs> we advise viewers and listeners not to roam on Roman Grosjean, but yes, it's the right answer. Sam, I'm, I'm not sure if we're going to pick up on this because it's quite Adrian subtle. <laughs> I am expecting a joke to come with every single answer from now on. By the way, it's not going ha- to happen. <laughs> but yes, that Adrian's was that was a terrible right. one. It was. Harry. Um... Uh, Nick Heidfeld. Quick Nick. You get five points for Quick Nick Heidfeld because I just love him <laughs> so much. Amazing. Sam? Uh, Hamey Aldeshwaringan. <laughs> Jeez. Yep, you've completed the Toro Rosso lineup. That's good. Harry? Uh, Bruno Senna. Nice. Yep. It's a good thing you distinguished which Senna because it could very well have been either in 2010. <laughs> but yeah, Bruno Senna's right. Sam? Uh, Pedro De La Rosa. <laughs> Apparently, Pedro De La Rosa <laughs> is now from working, but yes, that is right. Vitaly Petrov. The devil! He's not the devil. Why is he a devil? Have you seen his eyes? Leave Vitaly alone. I <laughs> get the right answer. Um, Sam, who have you got? Uh, best Japanese driver of all time, don't hate, Kamui Kobayashi. Yeah, I'd say there's a, there's a case for that. Um, but it is right. Yeah, Kamui is there. Harry? Nico Hulkenberg. Good old Nico. Yeah, he's there. Sam? Baby face, you just don't know. It's Heike Kovalainen. <laughs> yep, Hakey's there. Harry? Vitantonio Liuzzi. What a great name he's got. That was my next guess. <laughs> yeah, great, great name. Sam? He's been mentioned once already. It is the Macaroon Chandok. <laughs> <laughs> Macaroon Chandok is there. Harry? Um, Rubens Barrichello. Yeah, Rubinho is there. How, uh, uh, Sam? Uh, is that Glock? Uh, it is Glock. Yes, that's a point. Woohoo! Harry? Goat. Maldonado. I mean, I got it from just goat, obviously, because it's so obvious. But yes, Maldonado well, yeah, but I mean, Stroll, Stroll wasn't racing then anyway, so it couldn't have been goat Stroll. So it has to be goat Maldonado. Well, he definitely uh, wasn't racing then. Rob, no, he, he would have been on course for about his tenth championship at this point in time. <laughs> but hey, alternative history. Sam, yeah. Um, the the other great Japanese driver who was not great at all, but sounds like a motorbike, uh, Yamamoto. Ah, I almost <laughs> forgot Yamamoto when I was uh, looking up the answers for this quiz. Um, but yes, Yamamoto is there. Harry? All aboard. Siana Trudy. Yes! Choo-choo. The best qualifier of all time gets you 10 points. <laughs> Sam? 
D'Ambrosio. Yeah, Jerome D'Ambrosio is good. Harry? Degrassi. Yeah, Lucas Degrassi is correct. Sam? Um, 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 oh, Ricardo. Yeah, Danny Rick. Danny Rick. Harry? The cucumber himself. Good old Narain. I mean, what what a guy. What a guy. Yeah, the race card games, right? Sam? Uh, I've got something in my eye. Oh, it's Barrichello. I've already said Barrichello. We have Barrichello. Oh, I'm allowed one step up. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. All right. I did have someone else in mind. Oh, uh, Perez. Yeah, Sergio Perez. Harry? Oh, Jericho. How many have you got left? You do very well. You've only got uh, nine to go. Bloody hell. Um, who else was driving? Oh, uh, Guido van de Gaard. Of course. Bantegaard is there. Bantegaard, of course. Yeah, sorry. His official title. Yes. Uh, Sam? Um, Paul de Resta. Yeah, Paul de Resta's good. Harry, pressure's back on you with seven to go. Have you got another name? I don't know if I do. Um... I'm, trying to, I'm trying to think of all the back marker teams. HRD had like a revolving door, revolving door of drivers. Um... Oh god, the pressure! Have we said Kovalainen? Oh, we yeah, have said yeah, Kovalainen. He did yeah. a baby face joke, didn't he? Yeah. Oh, oh balls! Um. Um. Oh. <laughs> I might have to. I might have to throw the towel in. I can't. Don't think I can think of it anymore. That's it. I'm done. No. All right. Harry throws in the towel, which means Sam comes away with the victory. Sam, I mean, there's there's a few names left. Uh, yeah, seven to go. Can you name any of them? Uh, John Eric Vern. Yep. Uh, Charles Peake. Yep. Uh, this is a real pun, and I was going to save it for my very last one to make sure that if I got it wrong, then I got it wrong at the end. Uh, uh, Christian Kleen. Christian Kleen's good. Yeah, he was there. Oh, nice. Um, obviously, Jules Bianchi. Jules Bianchi, three to go. Valtteri Bottas. Two to go. Max Chilton. Max Chilton. Oh, now I'm struggling. Um, oh, uh, have we said Gutierrez? Gutierrez is 42 out of 42. Oh, I got them all! Uh, F1. Back up. Oh. I mean, time. that was... That's impressive. I mean, Harry got a lot of the ones actually that I'd forgotten. So on my own, no chance. I mean, that was a that was an em- emphatic sweep up of the last few names. So congratulations. Thank you. I think me and Harry make a very good team at this. Yeah. You're so knowledgeable. Thank God we're doing it about modern F1 because we go back anything past oh three oh four. I'm losing in the second round, mate. That's true. I mean, we haven't done a classic F1. Uh game of back and forth yet so 
Maybe I'll have to do that at some point. Oh, it's always good fun, though. I wonder what everyone got who was listening. How many did you name out? Was it 42? Yeah, I think there were 42 names there. Wow. Wowee. Which, I mean, just proves in four years of Formula One how much of a revolving door those teams like HRT were. F1. Back and forth. It's F1. Back and forth. We go backwards. And then go forth. It's F1. Back and forth. Yeah, F1. Beautiful. And there is absolutely no better way to finish a podcast than on that. So, Sam, get us out of here for this week. Folks, we've had anger, we've had comedy, and we've had real intellectual debate. Not not something you get anywhere else in the world of F1 podcast. So if you have enjoyed it, please subscribe, share, show it off. Remember to get down to Blockbuster to buy the next video edition. It's coming up very soon, we promise. 50p for a week of rental. Um, In the meantime, I've been Sam the same. I've been Ben Hocking. And I've been Jean-Christophe Bouillon. (laughs) (laughs) Remember, everyone, keep breaking late. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.